All right, well, um, without further ado, I want to um, introduce our speaker for tonight. I corralled her after hearing her speak um, in, I think it was either Rawway or, or New Brunswick or something along those lines. Whatever you say. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was taken by the spiritual nature um, of her talk and... and um, you know, I, I sent the flyer around, and then I said, Spiritual Sarah, which she doesn't call herself that, because if she did, she wouldn't be Spiritual Sarah, right? I mean, isn't that how that works? Um, but um, I call her that, because I was, I was really very much taken uh, by her talk. And without further ado, she's going to be here for the next three weeks, and she's going to touch on uh, Trust God, Clean House, and Help Others, and Sarah. Thank you, David. Um, my name's Sarah. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sarah. Um, most people, when I come to speak at meetings, they think I'm like five years old. <laughs> and when they start sharing, they're like, oh, I didn't think that you could offer me anything because you're like five years old. But, you know, I'm really, I'm just like, I'm an alcoholic, and um, I, my life is just horrible without a connection to uh, God of my understanding, misunderstanding, um, and without a connection to you guys. And uh, this... I'm like, I'm like really happy that you asked me to speak, David, because um, I go to a lot of big book studies and, uh, and, I, and I read the book a lot and I listen to a lot of speakers and um, I'm in love with like spiritual concepts, but it can sometimes soak in my mind, you know, and it can sometimes stay up there and, and I can find myself um, talking about maybe things that I know or recall things that I read and this, what this really, um, this workshop forced me to do was take a look at like what is my experience you know it's like what are the things that I really and not that I don't do this anyway but um, it kind of pushed me to take a deeper look in terms of like um, what is the experience that I've had with these things because I've I've always um, thought and said to sponsees that it's more important that I read this book once and then put it away and never ever read it again but practice what it says every day in my life then it is that I read it over and over again and never do what it says, you know? Um, because, like, this, like this, uh, this is, like, the medium, you know? Like, this book has, like, the directions. It's, like, the recipe to the cake that we're going to eat. It's going to be the most amazing cake that we'll ever have, but it's not the cake. Like, if I ate this book, it would be horrible. I'd probably get really sick. Like, I'm not used to eating paper. <laughs> I don't even know if I can chew it. Um, so, so, so it's like the way to the cake, but it's not the cake, you know. And um, and I was uh, I do a weekly fourth and fifth step with my sponsor, and he calls it like a tenth step because it's like um, to continue to take personal inventory, and I couple that with a nightly review. So I just I was telling uh, Laura who came with me that it's like I can't wait for next week <laughs> because like I am in cleaning house like all the time it's like a little much my sponsor sometimes will have to like tell me to relax like <laughs> like it's okay like we don't have to get that deep all the time like when there's something blocking me from being useful to people like I will know like it's very and then I can call out the big guns like I don't need to spend like every moment like making sure that I you know stay recovered and and that part is like my not my not relying on God and so that that really does have to um do with like what I'm going to talk about today um, but uh, okay I don't remember what I was saying anymore um, <clears throat> all right so I was going through this uh, I was going through this inventory and I had fear of doing this workshop um, and I had been like sort of obsessively like 
going through the whole book and like highlighting like all the things that I want and I was like I was doing book first and then figuring how I could fit my experience. Like, oh, okay, this line is really good. What's my experience with that? Okay, I'll talk about this. But it was like, I was like backwards. And so I was reading the spirit of my sponsor and he was like, hold on, hold on, wait. First of all, I think this is so amazing that you are having all of this fear. You're freaking out about doing a workshop and the topic is trusting and relying on God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a little backwards. And he was like, Sarah, it's like, whoa. He's like, I wouldn't be writing anything down. He's like, you are already as prepared as you will ever need to be because your experience is your experience. It's yours. It's inside you. It's totally happened. He's like, so if I were you, the best way to prepare is like, he's like, I would spend time meditating and really ask yourself currently, like, what is your experience trusting God? And what is your experience not trusting God? And then he was like, what's three things you do right now to get from a place of not trusting God to trusting God? And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I can do that. And I started to feel a little bit better. Um, so I don't know if this is going to be, like, a very clean kind of walk through steps, but I'm just going to do my best to just, you know, talk about my current experience. And, and most of my experience is, like, not relying on God, and then how it is that I get to a place of feeling um, that ease and comfort of, okay, I'm back in God reliance. But I have to do that multiple times a day, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so basically, like, my, my experience of life without a power greater than myself is hell on earth. Like, when I spiral out my fears, like the fear inventory format that I've been given, there's a million, I'm sure, and I have a lot to learn about fear inventory. Um, but the format that I've been given is um, to, like, say what the fear you have is, and then to continue asking yourself. It says, we put our fears down on paper or whatever, and then we ask ourselves why we have this fear. So I continue to ask myself, like, like I'm afraid, I don't know, I'm afraid that my boyfriend is going to cheat on me or whatever. And so what if he cheats on me? Well, then I'm going to be really upset. And what if I'm really upset? Then I'm going to probably take it really personal and feel like there's something wrong with me. And what if I take it personally and feel like there's something wrong with me? Okay, well, then I'm going to hate myself. And what if I hate myself? Well, then I'm always going to be looking to other people to make me not hate myself and it's not going to work. Okay, and what if that happens? Well, then I'm going to feel always like there's something wrong and eventually I'll spiral out to like impending doom I'll either drink and die or I'll experience hell on earth like I am so afraid and that that really is like what untreated alcoholism feels like for me hell on earth it's horrible but like when I like work and, and I didn't even like work these steps thoroughly right away like I I was given like just the basic kind of like principles behind the steps um, and that was my first introduction to a spiritual awakening but I would say that really, like, my big book introduction was a year ago. I was in a place in sobriety where I was relying on people, and I was in self-reliance, and I didn't even realize. I thought I was doing the best I could with what AA was presenting to me, but there was so much that I was missing, and there was so much that I just didn't get, you know? And, um, you know, I guess, like, what my experience in, like, God-reliance um, is that it really, it's like heaven can be now, like on earth, you know? So it's like hell on earth to like heaven on earth. Um, and this experience of like feeling connected and feeling awake and feeling a part of the group. And something that I asked myself in, before I did this, I was like, what, what am I relying on God for? It's like we talk about like a reliance and a dependence on higher power. It's like, but what exactly am I relying on God for? Um, and, like, first and foremost, to keep me sober, you know? I mean, this book talks about, like, an alcoholic of my type needs an entire psychic change. 
if they are going to recover from alcoholism because the powerlessness that I experience as an alcoholic centers in my mind. It's not only that I have this phenomenon of craving. You know, it's like alcohol, Dr. Silkworth talks about the action of alcohol on a chronic alcoholic is like the manifestation of an allergy. So I drink alcohol and then I experience an abnormal reaction. It's like an allergy to any other substance. The abnormal reaction that I have to alcohol is um, a phenomenon of craving develops. So I, it's like I really want more. So that was confusing a little bit to me because I was young when I was drinking and I really wanted to get wasted. Like that was the point. But the way that I could identify the phenomenon of craving happening was that after I was already as drunk as I had wanted to get, something, it's like the finish line kept extending. It was no longer enough. I was like overwhelmed with this panic that it was going to go away soon and I had to keep drinking more. So even, um, or, you know, uh, just, you know, drinking substances that, that really made me feel gross, that I didn't like vodka, like tasted horrible, but I would just drink it, like, because I had to, even though I didn't, it almost felt like drinking against my will, you know what I mean? Um, so, so that's how I really, like, identify the phenomenon of craving. And also that, like, it never felt good when I, like, couldn't walk anymore, and there was, like, a guy on both sides, and I'm, like, slumped over them, they're, like, dragging me home. Like, that wasn't the point, you know? It's like, I wanted to go out and have fun. I wanted to feel better, you know? Um, but like, uh, we were listening to my sponsor give a talk in the car and I was like, <laughs> I was like, get ready guys. Cause you're going to hear all of this again in about 15 minutes. I'm just preparing for my talk. Um, but he, but he talked about like, there's an easy answer to that problem. Don't start drinking. You know, if the problem for me is that once I start drinking, I experience this loss of control for how much I drink, then the easy answer to that problem is don't start drinking. The problem is that I keep starting drinking, that once I sober up, you know, it doesn't matter like how horrible the night before was. It doesn't matter what the resolution that I made was. Um, and, and I didn't have a lot of experience saying I'm not going to drink. You know what I mean? I had like one two week period where I was like a friend of mine was like, I'm quitting everything or she was like quitting you know, doing something, and I was like, oh, you can do that? Okay, I'm going to do that, too, and I lasted two weeks, and then it was like, it was just like super casual, you know, I just was like back in it again, um, but, uh, you know, it's like when, like, when I sober up again, and the thought to drink comes into my head, like, I don't have the necessary power to, like, battle it, you know, I maybe can for a little while, but, like, I can't rely on my mind to be a permanent defense against drink number one. Um, and so, like, what is my experience with that? Um, first of all, today, it's like, we talk about, like, oh, am I alcoholic, am I not? You know, it's like, it, it is so crazy that if I were to ever think that it was a good idea for me to ever drink again, like, in sobriety, you know, if I ever have the thought, um, you know, well, maybe I was young, am I really alcoholic? What? Why? <laughs> I, I'm 22 years old. I've been sober in Alcoholics Anonymous for seven years, and drinking almost ruined my... I almost committed suicide at 16 years old. Yeah, I was like, I thought I was, I was pregnant once, thought I was pregnant a different time. I got two STDs when I was 14 years old at the same time. Like, drinking ruined my life, ruined my family. If I was an alcoholic, it would not be a big deal, <laughs> you know, for me to even think that, like, oh, well, maybe I can drink again. First of all, it's crazy. And I know today that, like, the drink presents itself as a solution. It's not that I don't have a problem with alcohol. I have a problem with alcoholism, and that shows up when I'm sober. And so if I'm ever thinking or entertaining, maybe I could drink again, that is, that's, that's a sure sign um, that 
that there's something in my spiritual condition that maybe I should take a look at. Am I sitting on a resentment that I don't want to let go of? Am I lying about something? Am I like acting out really selfishly in any area? Am I hurting somebody? It's like those, like that's a warning sign to be like, maybe you should take some inventory because the drink is obviously presenting itself to provide some sort of ease and comfort, which is what I usually get from my relationship with God. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but, um, you know, so that's just kind of current, but in the past, like, I got sent to a treatment center um, in Hancock, New York. I was there for two and a half years, but the first nine months that I was there, um, I had a, they give you a sponsor. It's a program that was based on the 12 steps. It was, you know, it was like a really awesome place, but I didn't care. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to do anything. It was basically like me just like not drinking for nine months. Um, <clears throat> and like, I, uh, I just got so untreated, like, so it was horrible. And um, I, I remember I was, like, relating this experience to Laura. Like, I thought I was going insane. Like, I thought I had a mental illness. I thought that I was losing control over everything. I didn't know what was going on. I was super miserable. I was, like, really irritable and, like, anxious and unhappy. And I would... Um, I would say the third step prayer expecting something to happen. I thought that if I said it hard enough with like enough force that I would like, that God would like hear me and know that I was serious and like strike me happy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand that like after step three is um, nine more steps. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like how to carry out that third step agreement is by like continue. So I would, um, I would go into bathroom stalls and I would either like say the third step prayer over and over again like as hard as I could hoping that like something would work or I would go into bathroom stalls where nobody could see me and I would just freak out silently. I would like, I would like strain all my muscles and I would like, you know, <laughs> like trying to shake out the crazy, like hoping, <laughs> hoping that nobody could hear me. Um, and then I would take a deep breath and I would open the stall and I would leave the bathroom with a smile on my face and wash my hands and go on because there was like a shadow that had to like come with me everywhere so it was like the only time that I could be alone was like in the bathroom stall and um, you know talk about restless irritable discontent you know and like and so like that condition I feel like drives me to think over and over and over again that it's a good idea for me to drink and then I do it and then I'm just like in the cycle because every time I sober up it's me and it's me and the problem again which is me and then I need my solution which is alcohol and then I can't stop and it's a mess and then I'm sober and then I'm in the problem again so you know the 12 steps are really like designed um, for me to uh, you know for me to have a better experience of my life and and what having a better experience of my life means is um, is like living a, an altruistic, God-centered lifestyle. Um, and, uh, you know, the ninth step promises read, um, okay, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we're going to be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend our serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how it's blah, 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 blah. Feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. If you add when I drink alcohol to the end of all these things, it's the same experience, okay? So we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness um, when I drink alcohol. I will be amazed before I'm halfway through when I drink alcohol. I will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it when I drink alcohol. I will comprehend the word serenity and I will know peace when I drink alcohol. Um, yada, yada, yada. And uh, 
And so, like, on a really good day, like, this is the experience that I have, um, you know, in a spiritual awakening and in a relationship with God. And, um, okay, so, let me think. So, like, if I'm not in God-reliance, like, what are the other options? Like, what am I usually in? And what I'm usually in is self-reliance or reliance on others. So those are usually the two, like, deterrents for me that, like, keep me from trusting relying on God. And all of my pain, most of my pain that I experience in sobriety is a result of me relying on self, which is always me holding on to a disturbance because it's serving me a purpose, and me uh, relying on others because I'm looking to them to provide my emotional security. And I do this currently a lot. The difference is today I have awareness of what's going on, and I have a format out if I choose if I choose to use it, you know. Um, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes when I get like really really upset, um, it's not easy for me to just you know jump into the solution. But it is much more of like an instinct and a reflex, you know, um, clearly than it was before. I mean, I was insane when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. Like I was out of my mind. Um, I don't even know if it pertains, but, you know, I was, anyway, I was not the same girl sitting here. And um, so uh, so to talk a little bit, I guess, about self-reliance first, um, this was a concept that my sponsor introduced me to that I had a real, real strong experience with right after my fifth step. And today, currently, um, I mean, the experience that I have with it has not been as strong as it was when I did step five, but it's something that is now, like, part of me, and, um, and, it's, and it's useful, and it's amazing. And so my self-reliance um, is, is composed of mostly, for me, fear and shame. I mean, those are, like, the roots of, like, most of the disturbances that I experience on a daily basis. And... Um, and behind this idea is a belief that I have that, like, there's no God-sized hole in me. Like, there's nothing wrong. And that all, like, the pain that I feel in my life is a result of the delusion that there's something wrong with me. And so, um, and so if I believe that, like, God really is, like, in me and taking care of me and there's nothing wrong, then, like, this concept really works. I don't know if it will work for everybody's concept of God in this room, but I, it's my experience, so I'll, so I'll share it with you. Um, you know, I, I mean, I could, I could behave in any way, it, it could, it, any situation in my life that I could ever have. Um, the problem is, like, the disturbance that I feel about it, and the disturbance is usually trying to say something. So it's like, instead of looking at the details, I mean, I could take my inventory. If I'm resentful of somebody, I can look at wh- where I'm selfish, where I'm self-seeking, where I'm dishonest, where I'm afraid, and I can recognize that stuff, and I can ask God to relieve me of it. Um, another thing, don't let me forget, I want to talk about, like, being just as powerless over, like, character defects and just as powerless over, like, wanting to be better than I am. As I, as I am over alcohol, I hope that I remember and get back to that. Um, but I can recognize my inventory, I can recognize where I'm going wrong, and I can ask God to, to, to relieve me of those things, to show me a different way, to, you know, it's like A is like a program of subtraction. Like when I take away things, like what I'm left with is just like, you know, who I naturally am, which is like pretty amazing, you know, and like who everybody naturally is is pretty amazing. Um, I keep trying to create myself, so this is really what I'm getting at. So I take a look at the situation, whatever, but then I ask, like, what is the exact nature of the disturbance that I feel over the situation? And let's say that, like, I, I'm afraid that I'm, like, 
not being spiritual, spiritual enough or I'm like losing or I'm like feeling irritable more often than not and I'm like losing sight of my spiritual program and like so I have this fear I'm like well I don't want to I don't want to like stop doing what I'm doing that's creating all this peace like I need to make sure that I stay you know like in the solution so I'm having this fear so the exact nature of the fear is I'm afraid that I'm going to like lose my spiritual like foundation and so my sponsor then would ask like what kind of person doesn't have that fear and like in my mind like being like aware and familiar with spiritual principles I might think like oh somebody who has perfect faith they don't have that fear but like what I really believe is that the person who is not afraid of losing their spiritual foundation is the kind of person that doesn't care about practicing spiritual principles so this fear is actually in my in my concept like really important to me because it is the only connection that I have to this in this like desire to like be a spiritual person and like be a recovery alcoholic and have a solution and have an experience that I can transmit to other people like that's the agreement that I made in step three you know that I'm gonna like bear witness to other people by by living life this way so this fear is extremely important you know it's the only connection that I have because without it I believe I would be different I would believe that it wouldn't be important to me at all so I say, well, the kind of person that doesn't care about spiritual principles is the kind of person that doesn't have this fear. And my sponsor goes, okay, well, is that the truth about you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. And all of a sudden when I say no, I connect to something much bigger than me. Oh, this desire that I have to practice spiritual principles is much bigger than me. It seems to exist right now. It seems to be here. Where is it coming from? Oh, it's coming from God. God created it. God is here. God put it here. So it's like this fear that I'm using to, to connect to it and to remind myself. It's like the steering wheel to the car, but the steering wheel is not actually connected. And the car is, is still moving. And so I realize, oh, this fear is trying to connect me to an awareness of something. I can, I can recognize that and I can connect to the thing, but then I can throw the fear away. And if I let go of fear, what I'm saying is God... I'm going to stop trying to remind myself who I am. I'm going to let go, and I'm like, oh, I know who I am. I really care about spiritual principles. And in awareness of that, I'm going to let you, God, give me the inspiration and the intuition of how to live that way, how to act consistently to that desire. And then I'm trusting God to move through me in that way. You know, and I'm not like relying on self to try to remind myself always who I am so that I can like do what I want to do. I'm like letting go of that whole thing and I'm just being in the moment and I'm, it's like being a human being instead of a human doing, right? It's like, oh, I'm a human being. You mean it's going to happen? You mean, God, you're going to show me how to act spiritually without my help? <laughs> I don't need to help you? <laughs> okay. So, so then what do I do? Then I'm sit back and relax. I have fun. I'm here. I enjoy the rest of the day. I can know that the truth about me is that I really want to be a spiritual person and that I'm not going to betray that. But if I'm holding on to fear to remind myself of who I am, the thing is I'm going to always need to create fear so I can experience the fear so I can remember who I am. So I'm always going to be betraying. You know, it's the same with shame. Like if I have shame that I'm not healthier or whatever, if shame is the thing that I'm using to remind myself that I want to be healthy, then um that I'm always going to need to do things that are unhealthy so I can feel shameful about it, so I can remember who I really am. 
So it's, it's, like, it's like letting go of this whole self-reliant thought, this whole self-reliant component, and like really trusting that like these desires that I really are so important to me are way beyond my making. They're way beyond my control, and they're going to continue to exist without my help. And like when I, when I had that experience, I mean, that was, that was a joy that I never knew. I never knew that joy. It was just like, oh, I mean, like, I literally, I didn't do a full half hour. I didn't do a full hour for step six and seven. I did five, six, seven, right, boom, and one, and one thing. And then I went home, and I had about 20 minutes before my meeting. And I, la- I, I laid down. I mean, there was no reviewing. Was I thorough? I mean, I was, like, elated. Mm-hmm. The only thing that kept going through my head was, like, thank you, God, then I know you better. Thank you, God, then I know you better. I had such a deeper um, experience of my higher power on that day because I felt like there was no longer anything for me to do. I was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to show up and live my life. And, like, God will kick in. God will show me exactly what needs to be done. It will be amazing. And I really trusted that, like, in my heart was good. It was goodness. It was pure, you know, and that it wasn't going to fail me. It wasn't going to let me down. Um, <clears throat> okay, so another piece of the things that, like, get in the way of me relying on God is me relying on other people. Mm-hmm. And I recently had an experience where I was cat-sitting for a woman. And I think I just have to admit that I'm not well enough to deal with cats. Like, like <laughs> I don't want to limit God. You know, I'm sure that, like, I'm sure that, like, at some point, God is way more powerful than cats, and God can work through me in a way that I can be, like, the cat whisperer. But I don't think I want to be, and I think that that's okay. And I have this dear friend who I hope does not listen to this tape because she's in the program. <laughs> don't tell her about it. <laughs> and, um... And, you know, I felt guilty. I didn't want her to be upset. So I'm like, sure. I've, I've stayed for her. I've, like, watched her cats before. Um, and she asked me to do it for two weeks. And I said, okay, I'll stay in your apartment and I'll watch your cats for two weeks. And um, they are moody and temperamental. They don't respect me. <laughs> they don't listen. Um, all they want is what they want. I mean, they're like me when I was drinking. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to show up and clean the litter and feed them and, and be a presence of love for them anyway. You know, and talk about ego deflation. Like, talk about, I mean, every self-seeking tenant. I got more angry at these cats than I have gotten at a human person in three years, right? Like, it was, I mean, like, they, uh, and, oh, the worst was when I, they're, they're, like, really fat, so they're really cute. So you want to, like, cuddle with animals that are really fat. And they didn't want anything to do with me. And so you should have seen me. I'm running around the apartment picking them up. Come here. I'm trying to get them to come <laughs> and they don't want anything to do with me and I'm trying to force my will on these cats I'm like you have to understand I'm friendly I'm lovable love me back I'm like try- I like literally wrote out a formal resentment against these cats because, because when they didn't love me and they didn't give me validation that I was they were like they were like oh Sarah you're back to take care of us they were like <laughs> um I mean, I, like, this is not funny. I mean, I hope you guys laugh and you don't think I'm crazy, but I wanted to hurt them. You know what I mean? I was like, one, the, the one cat, like, bit me in the wrist. Like, I was leaving a message for David. And I was, like, talking to him, and she was sitting next to me. I was, like, mindlessly petting, and I just, I didn't hear her, like, like snaring or whatever to, like, not touch her anymore. And she, like, 
jumps up and like clamps onto my wrist and starts wagging her head. I'm like, David, I just got bit by a cat. That was not nice, Rika. I have to go. I wanted to squeeze her head until it popped. You know what I mean? I just wanted to kick her. Yeah, and I'm not a violent person. Well, I used to be when I was drinking, but I'm not a violent person. I'm very loving, caring. And this is how I get when you're not giving me love and approval. You know, it's like talk about every romantic relationship I've had. Talk about like, you know, needing validation from like my parents and parental figures. Um, so many times, like I, I will self-seekingly make a decision that puts myself later in a position to be hurt. I didn't want her to be mad at me, which is not about people pleasing. It's about me not wanting to be comfortable. And the whole thing is rooted in like me deriving my sense of security from like the opinion, approval, and validation of others, you know? And so I consistently, you know, I find myself in this dance, you know, all the time. And, and I, the way to kind of like, the way that I deal with it is I have to just recognize where I made a decision based on self, you know, and then pray, ask God for help, you know. And uh, I mean, eventually what I started doing was I started praying for the cats. <laughs> I started saying the resentment prayer for the cats so I could show up and be, um, and be a source of stability and love because something that like a working reliance on God also gives me is the ability to be unconditionally loving, which I think is like really one of the points, right? It's like to be love and service is like something that AA is trying to fit us to be, you know? It's like in this in the ninth step, it talks about our next function is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and my fellows. Prior to that, they talk about selfish self-centeredness being the root of our problem. So selfish self-centeredness, my needing everybody to provide me with love and security is the root of my problem. And so altruism, you know, and, and this spiritual awakening is the answer to that. And so that comes up for me a lot. I mean, my, my self-seeking is like a lot different. You know, it looks a lot different than it used to, but it absolutely still comes up all the time. And so what I do is I just like recognize, like, okay, where am I being selfish? And um, and I wrote out, you know, I, I like worked the steps on this like resentment and this like anger with the cats because I like, I, okay, this, this beautiful line in step three, um, it says, I can wish to be philosophical and moral, you know, but, like, I, like, the needed power is not there. It's like, I can have this, like, ideal for, like, a better version of Sarah, but unfortunately, I've never been able to just wake up and decide to feel better. <laughs> like, I've never been like, oh, I'm making a choice right now that my life is going to be better and I'm going to feel better. Like, if I could do that, I would have, I mean, I, my life would have gotten better a very, very long time ago, you know, before I, like, got to this place in sobriety where I felt so hopelessly miserable, sober, without a drink. And like nine, for like nine months I hadn't had a drink. Um, and, and, I, and I really thought that I was like not going to last for another second in my experience of life as it was. I needed, I needed this, um, I needed something. And uh, I made a note for page 27. I don't know if this is it. Um, Maybe it's in the spiritual awakening on page 567. Do I even have that page here? It talks about, um, he finally realizes that he, that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. So this is like so much about me getting out of the way for a power bigger than me to come move through me, to help me achieve that ideal, to help me like access what's already there, you know, like the goodness and the principles that are already there. Because I could never like 
self-discipline, I could never. I'm, I mean, my mind changed me in a second. I remember when I um, went to my mom to be like, Mom, I'm suffering. I need to get sober. I need help. I had, like, genuine desire. I was in pain. And she was like, good, we've been looking at places. <laughs> we'll send you right away. On my way out of her room, the plan had changed in my head. It was no longer about getting sober. I didn't want to get sober anymore. First, I, first of all, I wanted to get drunk even <laughs> really bad. I was like, let's have a blowout. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm going to get sober, so let's call everybody and let's have a blowout. Um, and then it was like, oh, I'll go away for three months. You know, I'll go away for three months. I'll get a little physically healthier. And, um, and then I'll come back. And I will do exactly the same things that I have been doing. I will hang out with the same people. I will drink the same alcohol. I will smoke the same marijuana. I will be in the same buildings. I will cut the same classes. I will insult and offend and threaten the same people. I'll do everything that I'm, that I'm doing. Um, but, but my great obsession was not that I could control it in a way that I control the amount, but I could control the experience to where I wouldn't be miserable. You know, my alcoholic life seemed the only normal one, but there was something very, very abnormal about what was going on. And I was like, maybe I can just take the abnormal part and throw it out the window and then just really actually feel comfortable, you know, in what I already think is normalcy. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember what I was saying, but I was talking about the cat. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I guess, um, I know I was talking about the cats and talking about altruism, and um, I guess, like, I guess, like, for me, like, my experience of being God-reliant is also, like, it's like an affirmation that, like, everything's taken care of. It's like my surrendering a need for people, places, and things to be different, you know, um, in order to change the way I feel, like, being a victim of that delusion that, like, I can wrest satisfaction out of the world if only I manage well, you know, if I like manage these things and if I manage you and if you give me this thing that I think I need, then I'll feel better. It's like my, like, my living experience of God reliance is like an affirmation that like I am taken care of. I am complete. I lack nothing. Therefore, I need nothing specific from you. I am free to love you as you are. And if your the details of your life are consistent with the details of my life, you know, then like we can like be together in harmony. And if they're not, then that's okay. Um, and, uh, I, so yeah, so I just like, I recognized myself seeking with these cats and like what I needed. And it was just like a real opportunity for me to be like, I don't, I, like I can be serene and content without the cats doing what I want them to do. I can just let, like live and let live, right? Just like let them do whatever they want <laughs> and, and leave them alone. They don't want to be petted. They don't want to cuddle. <laughs> they just, they want to be fed and, and they want to have clean litter and that's it. And, um, and yeah, and so again, like I started, I started to say the resentment prayer and I started to pray for like relief um, of the self-seeking and to like show up and be, you know, a channel. Um, I think I was going to start talking about uh, the 11th, the step 11, and I know that in the 12 and 12, which I'm not super familiar with, they do have the St. Francis prayer in the 12 and 12 um, for step 11, and I love that because, um, you know, it, it talks a lot about, like, recognition that, like, God is taking care of us and that, like, we have what we need and, like, to focus more on being, like, a presence of love and uh and support and security, you know, and peace, like, for other people. And, like, those things, like, coming out of me. And I tried to just, like, practice that with the cats. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, and it was hard. Mm. Um, what time is it? Well, well, I talked about like my. I, I think I covered it. Like my desire. My desire to like be better or be different, um, but not really being able to do that without like a like a God working through me. Um, hmm. Let me see. Anything else I have to say? I don't think so. You good? Yeah, I think I'm done. All right. All right, well.